spend a couple weeks talking about stewardship. Last week we, we gave you a copy of the church budget and asked for your approval of that and we appreciate it. 
You should have received in the mail this week a letter from me, another copy of that budget along with your estimate of giving card, and also a list of ministry opportunities. If you did not get that letter, it's because we don't have you on our mailing list. And we want to be able to make that connection with you. So there are some um, little slips of paper like this that are out on the wood stand. And if you're not on our mailing list, um, fill one of these out and give it to us. And that way we can get you on there um, so we can connect with you better. You know, when you look at a budget, it's a bunch of numbers on paper. But what we need to see when we look at that budget is a representation of what God wants to do through this church in the coming year. And if we are faithful in our stewardship, then those numbers become flesh and blood ministry that impacts the lives of people. If we're not, then it becomes a dream that just never comes true. And every year when we talk about giving, um, I realize that the, the problem we all have is having the right attitude toward giving. You know, attitude is the most powerful influencer of our lives. I, I didn't realize that uh, for a long time, just how important a thing attitude is. And I read something by Pastor Charles Stanley that, that stood out to me, and I want to share it with you. He says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on my life. Attitude to me is more important than education, than money, than circumstance, than failure, than success, than what other people think, say, or do. Attitude is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. I think Pastor Stanley is right. And especially when it comes to this whole area of stewardship. Attitude is everything in determining the level of faithfulness with which we will do what God asks us to do. The first part of that attitude is understanding who all this belongs to. You know, when we are children, we are very much focused upon what is mine and what is yours. And we love to try to make sure that what is mine is bigger than what is yours. I, I, I love the joke about the two children who run into the house and they grab the cookie jar and there's only one cookie left. And the mother sees a teachable moment here. And she says to her two children, Now remember when we were in Sunday school last Sunday, we learned about Jesus. And they said, Yes. And he said, If Jesus were here, he would want the other to have the biggest part of that cookie. 
And the oldest brother looked at his younger brother and said, Okay, you be Jesus. <laughs> I love it. I could see myself doing that. Because from the time we are little, we, we get a very clear concept of this belongs to me. And then we spend the rest of our lives trying to unlearn that. <laughs> because one of the basic teachings of Scripture is none of it belongs to me. <laughs> my life is not mine. Everything in this world and my life belongs to God. That's what the Bible means when it says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We are the fullness. <laughs> our lives the plants, the rocks, the animals, the trees, the sun, the moon, the stars, the very air that we breathe. None of it is mine or yours. It all belongs to God. I wish I would have realized that about uh, 25 years ago when we were on a road trip. I'm going to share with you one of my father memories that made me laugh. We're on a road trip with our two girls in the back seat. And whenever you put our two girls together in close proximity for more than about 15 minutes, they start fighting, bickering, arguing. It's just the way it was. And I thought I'd heard it all. You know, she's touching me. She's looking at me. She's taking my book, you know, on and on it goes. And one day, we're, we're driving on this road trip, and Christy yells up to the front, Dad, she's breathing my air. <laughs> That's a true story. I'm not making that up. I, really, I, had, I had to think about that one a moment. It threw me. <laughs> I wish I could have got theological honor. And said, so don't you realize, my dear children, that everything in this world, even the very air that we breathe, belongs to God. And he wants you to breathe it equally. See, now wouldn't that have been a great answer? I think I said something like, shut up or I'll pull this car over. <laughs> and you're not going to like what happens when I pull this car over. That was actually probably more effective than getting theological would have been. But, you know, it, everything belongs to God. And once we get hold of that, I mean, really get that concept in our mind, that begins to shape our attitude toward this thing called stewardship. And in case the word throws you, a steward is simply a manager. Someone who has control of something that belongs to someone else. And you manage it or use it according to their wishes. Now, when I was in seminary for two years, I managed a pizza restaurant. Long enough for me to realize that whatever I do in life, it will not be in restaurant management. <laughs> I got a feel of that pretty quick. But when I was managing that restaurant, I realized none of this is mine. I don't own this restaurant. I don't own the equipment in this restaurant. I don't own the ingredients that we're making the pizza with. I didn't design the menu. I didn't choose what the menu items would be. 
And so everything I do as the manager of this restaurant has to reflect the wishes of the owner. He has final say in everything. There were times that I thought, boy, we should change something. We need to change that decor. I don't like the way it looks. But it wasn't my restaurant. Or I think we need to shake up the menu a little. I think maybe we need to change some menu items. But it wasn't my restaurant. And so I had to constantly be reminding myself, this is his. And the decisions I make must reflect his will. Not mine. And that helped me as a Christian to understand this whole concept of stewardship. If the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and everything, even the air we breathe, belongs to Him, then the decisions I make in my life should reflect Him and His will and His purpose rather than mine. And once I begin to understand that, I begin to think less in terms of this is mine than this is his. And I release my grip on it, my hold on it. Another verse that's real important, it's in Acts 20.35. Acts 20.35 It says, in everything I did, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I'll be honest with you, every time I read that verse, I pause and go, really? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Then why does my human nature want to get so much more than it wants to give? See, I hear it in Scripture, but there's a bit of a disconnect between what the Bible says should be my attitude and what my attitude actually is. I mean, all you have to do is watch The Price is Right. To know how much more joyful getting is than giving. <laughs> I, I just love it. Don't you see these people go nuts? You know, they come up there and they get a chance to, to name the price of something. And if they do that right, they get to run up on stage and be a contestant in the show. And these people go absolutely crazy. They run up there jumping, screaming, hollering, turning in circles, grabbing Drew Carey, giving him big old hugs. They're so excited to be getting I've yet to see the television show where someone gives something away and they go jumping and screaming and yelling, I gave! <laughs> I haven't seen it. I'd like to. A number of years ago, our church supported a mission in the Congo in Africa and they sent us a video of one of their worship services so we could kind of connect with them better. And do you know what the most joyful, enthusiastic part of their worship service was? I know you want to say the preaching. Good answer. But no. It was the offering. When it came offering time, they didn't pass plates like we do. They had like some big old baskets up here. And they weren't little tiny baskets. They were big old baskets. 
And the people would come up, and they were literally dancing, singing, twirling, had their offering up here, waving it to God. I mean, they were so excited to be bringing something and giving it to the Lord through His church. And I watched that video, and I said, man, how do you get that? They truly understand another verse I want to share with you, which is 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I can't help but think that if God loves a cheerful giver, he must be a tad bit disappointed in his church. Because I get to sit up here during the offering time, and I get to watch all of you, and I don't see a lot of smiling. I don't see much cheerfulness. I see very little enthusiasm or excitement about, here comes the offering plate. <sighs> Just in there. It's probably one of the most low-key moments of our time together. I think maybe we should put a footnote in the scripture. Put a little asterisk beside 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and down at the bottom. Put a little footnote that says, God loves a cheerful giver, but he will accept money from a grouch. <laughs> uh, do you think that would work? I don't know. <laughs> but see, it's all a matter of attitude. We struggle to truly understand that it is more blessed to give than to receive, and that we, therefore, can give with joy. More joy, in fact, than we receive. Let me give you three reasons why there's a greater blessing in giving than receiving. And, and I'm not, lest you misunderstand, I'm not just talking about money. See, too often when we get to stewardship, all we talk about is money. I'm not. I'm talking about stewardship of life. That's why I include in the letter that ministry opportunity. I want us to see all of life is belonging to God. It's not just my money. It's my time. It's my energy. It's my service. What can I do for the kingdom of God? Not everybody has money to give. Everybody has some time. Not everybody has the same skill, but we all have some. So what are we doing with what we've been given? That's what this whole thing of stewardship is about. And the first reason I want to give you is that giving is a reflection of the heart of God. Giving is a reflection of the heart of God. The Bible says many things about the character of God. He's holy. He's righteous. He's compassionate. He's powerful. He's loving. And one thing it says over and over and over again is that God is a giver. In James 1.17, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heaven. Giving is what our Heavenly Father does. And that must be why, as an earthly father... Giving is a big part of what we do. I learned early on when I had children 
that being a father meant being a giver. Dad, can I have that toy? Dad, can you give me some money? Dad, can I have the keys to the car? Dad, can I have your half of the garage so in the wintertime I don't have to scrape the ice off my windshield? That's for my daughter Becky, by the way. Uh, Dad, can I have the time for you to take me somewhere and do something with me? Dad, 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 constantly wanting something. Being a dad means being a giver. But that's appropriate. Because being a giver is an essential part of the nature of our Heavenly Father. And when we give, we are being godly. We are emulating His nature. Second of all, giving is a good indication of the condition of our heart. There's a pesky little verse in there in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That verse has always been a bit troubling to me because it forces me to look at where my treasure is, where I put my treasure, where I give and invest my treasure, and does it end up in something that reflects my relationship with the Lord? You know, it's been wisely noted that if you want to know a person's priorities, you look at two things. You look at their calendar and you look at their checkbook. Because where you're investing your time, where you are putting your money, that's what's important to you. And so if I am to sit down and to look at my calendar and I look at my checkbook, does it reflect that God is a priority in my life? So giving is not only a reflection of the heart of God, but it's a good indicator of the condition of our heart. And then the third reason I want to give you is that giving is a matter of trust. If we don't trust the Lord, we will not give. If we do, we will. The biggest deterrent to giving they have discovered in their many surveys is fear. People are afraid that they might give something they need for themselves. So they hold on to it. They're afraid that they might need it later down the road. Maybe I'm doing fine now, but who knows what down the road will bring. And they fear that the people they give it to may not use it the way they want. Fear inhibits giving. So it becomes a matter of trust. Do we trust in the Lord? I was faced with that last night. See, the problem with writing sermons is you get to think about them for a lot longer. And then they start getting personal. Last night I sat down with my letter. Uh, I got one too. I'm a member of the church just like you are. So she didn't mail it to me. She just handed it to me. <laughs> she came down the office and said, here, here's your letter. Uh, so I took my letter home. I got my estimate of giving card. And I began to do what I've asked you to do is thoughtfully and prayerfully consider what you should put on that little card. And my first thought was, I've got to cut this back. We made our last pledge when Sue and I were both working, and she had to retire last August because of health, and we lost about 40% of our income. 
So naturally, I'm thinking I've got to back this thing down to reflect what my current income level is. But as soon as I thought that, a question came to mind. Where have you suffered? Are you suffering? What bills have you not been able to pay? What food have you not had to eat? In what way have I not provided for you even though your income is less than it used to be? Where have you suffered? I had to say, nowhere. Nowhere. God has provided uh, what we've needed in spite of the reduction. And I said, so I can't reduce this. I've got to leave this where it is. Because if I reduce it now, I'm saying, you did well this year. I don't trust you to do it again next year. <laughs> I'm not sure. So now I can't do that. I couldn't do that and stand up here and talk to you this morning. I had a choice to make. If I reduce the card, I tear up the sermon. Talk about something else. But if I'm going to talk about what I was going to talk about, I better be faithful in what I'm doing. That's what's been going on with me. And I think that's what we all need to do. We just need to sit down and consider God's faithfulness. I, I wrote in the newsletter article, When Faith Meets Faithfulness. That was the title of it. And I put in there that God has proven His faithfulness over and over and over again. And if we are willing to meet His faithfulness with our faith, then He can do great things through His church. So next week we're going to ask you to bring those estimate of giving cards. You notice there's not actually a card. We just printed it at the bottom of the budget. We're trying to be good stewards of what you give us. And it was cheaper to do it that way than print separate cards. So we just put it at the bottom of the budget. We want you to cut it off. We want you to fill it out. We want you to bring it. We want you to put it in our offering with a smile on your face. And we want to dedicate those to the Lord as a representation of what He's going to do through His church in this coming year. Let us pray. Father, I am so grateful for Your continued faithfulness in our lives. You give and You give and you give, even when we are not faithful, even when we hold back from you, you continue to give. And Father, I pray that in this time when we are considering our stewardship before you, that we would be faithful, that our faithfulness would meet your faithfulness. Because we know great things happen when it does. We ask that you be with each and every one of us, Father, as we consider our place in your church and our stewardship. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.